0: This is R.J. Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes this one, one by Mattingly. oh, hang on to the oh, room. Jay Barrett oh, does it again he from downtown. He is down. just tearing the Orioles apart. Oh, it's good. It's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he ties the good. game. He's duck's under. Got it. Well, a can't slam. A grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge. Penetrates, creates... And show us some dexterity as well Both with the left over. hand. Yankees win! The Yankees win! Alright, what's happening everybody? Episode 282 of the podcast tonight. I'm your host RJ Carbone and you are listening to BD4 where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Yeah, episode 282. Um, If you are new here and you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast on the many platforms that we are on. You can listen to us on, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, um, SoundCloud, Spotify, many other listening platforms and if you want to watch the podcast you can subscribe to the podcast on youtube so if you like listening go to any one of those listening platforms if you want give us a five star review uh, five star rating on apple podcasts give us a review and if you love us download the podcast you have it forever in your phone um Yeah, welcome. Hope everybody's having a good night. It is a Tuesday night as I am recording, uh, Tuesday, September 7th, which means it's week two of of Dana White's Contender Series. Now, I've been so sidetracked. I've been uh, doing homework, watching the Yankees, and I have the Contender Series on my tablet. Well, I I did. Um, So I was multitasking. Three different things at once, and I hate doing that. So I, um, I, I can't really focus. So I wasn't really watching the contender series tonight. It's on the phone right here. I'm actually, I'm actually watching it on my phone, but I'm not even paying attention. I, I just, I was watching the Yankees lose and they continued to play miserably. Um, we might take a break from the Yankees tomorrow night. Um, and again, tomorrow night is probably tonight as you are listening to this episode. Um, as in the Blue Jays series, we might skip that and just take a break. Um, no reason, just, just a little overworked here. Um, but as for this episode, episode 282, we're going to continue to just talk about the upcoming season, uh, when it comes to the Knicks. That's what we're doing tonight. Just discussing the, um, kind of a little bit more continuing what we, uh, where we left off in the, uh, last Knicks episode, which I believe was episode 280. Um, this is 282, just kind of talking more about some certain players and what to expect. So, we're going to get into that, but, um, yeah, the, the Contender Series last week was great. I loved it. Uh, record-breaking five guys signed contracts, so, uh, I don't know how many contracts Dana's going to hand out tonight, but I, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be five, but, um, yeah, I wish I, I wish I paid more attention to it tonight. I didn't get to see much at all. Um, but there it seems like it's another good one. Um, we'll see. But I did check on, on the, the card this weekend, though. Because I know last weekend was a good fight card. There's another fight card coming up. We might have a few more before we actually get to the next pay-per-view event. But I'm pretty sure this one coming up is a good one, too. Um, it's it's a shame that Darren Till lost. I, I'm a, everybody's a big Darren Till fan. Um, it sucks to see him go down like that. But yeah, I have to check to see who's this Saturday. Um, you know, this Saturday is going to be a tough day. It's uh, I'm pretty sure it's September 11th on Saturday. But um, yeah, man, thank you for, for thank you for stopping by, and uh, let's get to it. Let's not waste time. Let's just talk a little bit Knicks. And when we get back from break, we might as well get right into it. So one last time, guys, if you haven't subbed to this podcast, be sure to do that. We do Yankees episodes every series and we do Knicks episodes every two games when they are in season. Um, and I also recap the Yankees in the blog. Usually I'll do it on, on a nightly basis this year. I've missed a lot of games. I'm doing more series recaps, but I haven't done a, a, a blog in forever. So I apologize for my absence. Um, same goes for the Knicks. We, we were supposed to do daily recaps in the blog once the season begins then. But um, sub to m- to my blog. It's my opinion. Sub to this podcast, BD4. And if you haven't yet, follow me on social media. You can go ahead and do that too. Um, so we're going to head to break. When we get back, we'll get right to it. Stay with us. You are listening to RJ Carbone on BD4. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, you can do that right now. BD4 is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and you can also watch it on YouTube. There are plenty of other platforms to find this podcast, all you have to do is go to linktr.ee forward slash RJ and that will take you to where you need to be. Linktr.ee forward slash RJ in order to subscribe to this podcast. Yeah, no, I was just, um, took about five minutes there to check out the, um, the results here. Dana's announcing the rest of the, uh, or he's announcing who he's handing out contracts to. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I think he just handed out five again. Um, uh, it's funny though. He, he just took a few minutes. Well, he took a few shots rather at, uh, at DC for some of the, uh, comments he made during the telecast. I guess he didn't agree with, but. Um, I'm looking down every couple seconds because I'm just watching the rest of this, but I don't know why, because the sound is off and there are no more fights. It's over, but um, some kid Oliveira. wonder if there's any relation. He made it. Uh, the first fighter did Chad something. I forget the kid's name. And a few other guys made it too, so it's always fun watching the Contender Series, man. you, you got a bunch of hungry kids looking for a payday, looking for a UFC contract, so... Um, hopefully next week I can actually watch week three and, um, I'll have more thoughts on you for that. But, um, yeah, no, as for this episode, two we're talking Knicks. So why waste any more time? Um, and again, a few, a few episodes ago, we talked some Knicks. Um, it was like the first episode in a little bit, in a little bit. So just kind of going to continue to wear, continue to discuss, uh, what we were discussing the other night, pick up where we left off, maybe touch on a few other things. Not going to be a long episode. I'm hoping it's it's no longer than 25 minutes, uh, half an hour maybe. But um, yeah, the season's going to be here before you know it, man. It is going to be here before you know it, right? It's, it's already, as I am speaking, September 7th, as you are listening, it's September 8th. So preseason starts in a little bit over a month, maybe exactly a month now. And then later down the line in October, I think the 23rd, don't quote me on that. That's when the regular season begins. And we're off to the races. You know, I'm excited. It was a tremendous season last year, considering the expectations that the Knicks had. Brought in a new coach, an old school guy, coach this younger team, you know, in a newer era of basketball, and it worked. Um, You have the old school mentality that Thibodeau brought in of defense first, play hard or you don't play at all. And it played off, or it paid off, it worked. Guys were playing hard. And um, are there some flaws in this team? Yes, we're gonna talk about that more as we get into the season and stuff, but you have to like what you saw last year, um, considering that they had key pieces being hurt, you know, like Mitchell Robinson. And they were still able to do what they did. And speaking of Robinson, um, we'll start with him really quickly. You know, the Knicks are probably going to try and extend Mitchell Robinson before the deadline. Um, That's probably My thought is if they don't do it, if they don't try and extend him and we're approaching the deadline and he still hasn't signed the extension, I'm thinking they're going to try and package him. Or if they do try and extend him and Mitchell Robinson says no the Knicks probably won't want him to walk for nothing in the offseason next summer. And so they'll probably try to package him as the headliner in some kind of deal, right? You have the thought that, you know, this kid Jericho Sims, who raised a lot of eyebrows in, in uh, summer, summer League. And obviously you're, Noel, you just handed him a... He's being paid. He's getting paid. A three-year deal they gave him. Just last month, playing behind Mitchell Robinson, so you keep that in mind. Um, and remember, the Knicks to keep this in mind The Knicks could have they they didn't though. They could have made a restrict. They could have made Robinson a restricted free agent, but they didn't do it. They also have the big, They have the money to go big on him if they wanted to. You know, and and you look back. I, I just don't know. I don't feel like he's his future is secure here. Just looking at all the telltale signs. And and you're also looking back at his career up to this point. Has he progressed in a lot of areas? Yeah. But you look at it closely. Especially when you consider the offensive game. Are they really working to develop his game? Like are they doing anything to expand his game? Has he been a different player since day one to today? Or does he have the same label? Right, He kind of has the same label. And I get the Tiger's never going to change his stripes, but other than maybe screen setting, right? And, and obviously he's cut down on fouls. And he's improved. I'm not saying he's not improved. He's improving. But I'm saying adding some offense, we don't see him working on a post game. We don't see him work on a, a mid-range jumper or that three-point shot, right? We see videos of Mitch screwing around with his handles and crossovers and shooting threes, but never in the game we see that. And I feel like we don't ever see it mentioned in a serious manner with the Knicks, I feel like they're not working at that. They're not working to expand his game and make him better. So yeah, for me, I I love Mitch. I'm a big Mitch guy. I would go as high as four years, 60 million. That's probably what I'd throw at him. Tops. Anything more than that, I would think about about, you know, packaging him. Obviously Miles Turner has been a big name. A lot of Knicks fans like him. A lot of the NBA likes him. This is a shot blocking extraordinaire who's who's developed a name for himself over the last couple of seasons with Indiana. But how much it's just gonna come down to how much would you be paying would you be willing, sorry, how much would you be willing the Knicks that is to pay a defensive minded, more traditionally styled big in this era of ball, right? And as for now, both Mitch and Noel are here, obviously, and, you know, it's just, I don't know. I I don't feel like the Knicks are that serious. I feel like they're more open. I think that's probably the best way to put it. They're open-minded when it comes to Robinson. They're not opposed to making a trade if they have to, um, but they're also willing to keep him if they can come to an agreement and the negotiations don't get too rough. Excuse me. But yeah, as for right now, both Mitch and, and even Noel are here. Um, and with Mitch just getting out of the walking boot not even two or three weeks ago, they're probably going to ease him into it, right? I expect the first portion of the season to be more 50 50 split in between the two's playing time. Um, hopefully, as it, you know, if, if Mitch can stay healthy and as the season progresses, we see him start to take more of the role. But. Yeah, once Mitch is you know fully healthy, man, I think you got to start him obviously, and see if you can get him to, to play thirty minutes a game for you. That's you know he he had a big minutes uptick last year while, when he was healthy. I think he was playing around twenty eight minutes a night. If you could try to get him to 30, 33 minutes, I, I don't think you know with his frame that he's ever going to log you thirty five to forty minutes like Thibodeau's doing with Barrett and Randall. That's not who Robinson's going to be. He seems to wear down a little more because he's very thin, real thin, and he's big, tall. But if you can get him playing 30 to 33 minutes a night, more on the 33 side, I think Mitch will be, I think he could be a great big for you, man. I, I still have so much. Optimism when it comes to him. I believe in his game. I think he's so much more effective than Noel just because he can move around defensively and guard the perimeter so well. Right? He can also navigate that drop defense. He's much better off those ball screens and pick and roll than Noel is. Noel is more of a standstill in the paint guy, going to put his hands up and get those stationary blocks. And we saw Noel's lack of mobility sort of get exposed in the playoffs uh, this past season right against Atlanta whenever he was switched onto Trey Trey would take advantage of that like crazy he would draw contact on his way to the rim he would go around a screen he would just get a shot up on him but if you have a healthy Mitchell Robinson however he's more mobile and lengthy and you know, has has done a nice job of positioning himself well over these last over over the last season which that helps in the in that drop coverage right not only is it the length that he can use to contest and block shots but that length he has that wingspan Mitch has can force ball handlers like Trey Young to pick up their dribble early you know things you don't always see on the stat sheets And I I still do as much as we talk about and criticize his offensive game, Robinson, I still feel, while not great right now, there's still a ceiling there to where he can one day average close to or at 15 points per game, given that athleticism and that length. I still think that's it. He's excellent in pick and roll, right? We know his pick and roll game is strong. He can get to the rim easily. He can get around guys, get around other bodies because he's long, and athletic, and we've seen him just kind of bulldoze his way there off the ball sometimes. So I still, th- I still think that, now given he has a point guard to play with, he has a bunch of playmakers, but he's got a good point guard in Kemba Walker to feed him, I think he could eventually get you that 15 points per game, or at least start his third season, or is it, or will it be his fourth season, with a double double? you know, maybe he could get, if he can crack the double digit point totals, on a night-to-night basis, start going from there. Right? So I'm excited for him this season, man. I, I think he'll be motivated. Um, I know he's put on muscle. He put something on Twitter, or somebody did, uh, I think it was Bondi, that he, um, I think he's 272 pounds. He was listed at 240 last, he's, uh, last season. So, he's looking for a payday, man. And my hope is that he remains healthy. And he can finally give us those double-double numbers that we're looking for along with the great defense and that the Knicks and him can figure out a way to come to uh, an agreement and some kind of deal. Um, again, I would go four years, $60 million. I would be careful going any higher than that. Um, let me do the AAV really quick on that. 60 divided by four, obviously that's 15 yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't go any higher than 15 a year. I mean, you've seen guys like Capella, Williams, and the other kid drawing a blank, getting these big contracts. You figure Mitch right now, with his potential, I, I you know, his first contract, Yeah, I wouldn't go higher than that, but I, I would not mind handing him something like that, in that ballpark. So, I'm excited to see what he does. I am. We're going to head to break. When we get back, we'll talk a little more of this team and uh, touch on Kevin Knox for a second. Stay with us. You can follow me on Facebook at r.j.carbone You can follow me on Instagram at robjcarbone And you can follow me on Twitter at nysportstalkrc And if you want to follow along with the blog that I write Subscribe to It's My Opinion on nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com this is one we actually missed. Uh, I meant to get to it, but never did, never could on, um, in episode 280, 280? Yeah. We never got to it. Um, another guy who could be traded before his contract expires, Kevin Knox. You know, another Nick lottery pick um, who hasn't exactly panned out and trading him would con- kind of continue to live around that narrative, um, you know, of, of uh, it's just another lotto guy who doesn't get a second contract, but you got to do what you got to do. He's just not playing with the Knicks. He's not getting playing time and he's not really shown them much when he does get playing time. You know, there was hope that he could be something. Some people are still thinking he is Something. It's funny because when he got drafted, I was so excited. I was foolishly giving him labels like Paul George, Kevin Durant. And I wasn't saying that was his ceiling, but I was saying the type of player he could be of that mold. And then a few seasons go by, and last year I caught myself kind of uh, lowering, tempering my expectation on Knox. And I, I relegated him to all right, well, maybe he could be more of a Steve Novak type, sit in the corner and flamethrow from three. And he was doing that, to be honest with you. At the start of the year, he was having a very effective season. I don't know if anybody remembers, but I'll give him that. Until Tom Thibodeau stopped playing him, he was actually doing well in the corners being that kickout guy. Um, But he stopped playing, and he kind of got sporadic minutes, and it affected him. And the defense has never been good with Knox. The motor has always been an issue in question. So just 22 years old, I believe. And he's just not very good right now. So any team could pick him up, contending or not, big market or not, just to see what they have in him, right? It wouldn't hurt. Um, And that team also gets his restricted free agent rights. So they have control over him at a fair price for the foreseeable future. Um, And you're thinking, you know, if we could figure out a way to get him out of here, could we find a way to, you know, considering we have a pretty savvy front office, Leon Rose, Brock Aller, Walt Perrin, um, Scott Perry, could these guys figure out a way to net the Knicks an early second round pick if we were to deal Kevin Knox? And we've seen what these guys in the front office do with those second round picks, right? They turn it into another deal, or they bring in another type of lightning in a bottle, diamond in a rough type of player. That could be one thing, but he just, again, there's, i about to sneeze here. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, as I was saying, there's just no room. It's, it's, it's just as simple as that there's just no room for Kevin Knox on this roster um, we, we've actually seen the experiment playing him at the two that's a nightmare he's not quick enough for the three either he's just not quick enough his best spot probably is to just play the stretch four but again that position's crowded already obviously we've got Julius starting that's not changing he was just extended Obi Toppin I mean that's an issue itself Right, so you know you consider Obi Toppin. I mean, had Julius Randall not went off like he did in year one with the Knicks? I'm sorry, I worded that incorrectly. Had Julius Randall went off like he did last year in year one with the Knicks, Obi's not a Nick right now. Obi is playing somewhere else. Simple as that. The reason Obi Toppin was drafted, he was supposed to be Julius's successor. Right, let's be honest. That's why he was drafted. They didn't draft a you know a guy like Obi Toppin in the lottery. After a year of tanking and miserable play, to just have him sit on the bench the rest of his career and and be a second string player. No, they drafted him because they thought this guy was going to be their power forward for the foreseeable future. They thought he was going to be the guy. They were planning on kicking Julius to the curb and dealing him at the deadline last season, but obviously that didn't happen. Julius overachieved, and, and that's not even a good word. Julius started playing really well, um, and he's he's our guy now. And as for Obi Toppin, I think the Knicks... I wouldn't trade him. Listen, I was saying last, all of last year, trade him, trade him, trade him, trade him. I think you, you have to be smart here. And you try to hang on to him, um, at least for the first half of the season this year, just to try and build some trade value, right? You never sell low, right? You always hear that. You never want to sell low. So if they can keep him, honestly, though, I wouldn't be too mad about keeping Obi for this season either, just the entire season, have him build his trade value, and then you can deal him in the summer. And it would also help, right? Julius had to log so many minutes last year because we didn't have a reliable backup power forward. If Obi Toppin can be something, if he can show that he's improved, right, and we use him more and we can play him more, he starts hitting those spot-up threes and he continues to show some promise as a role man and coming off those short rolls from the short corner, throwing those lobs down. And he gets going on the open court, right? Does all the things that we saw him do at Dayton, I know it was weak competition, but the reason he was drafted is because he can do all these types of things. It would be helpful to have someone like that take the burden off of Julius. Right? How, how fun would that be if Obi Toppin turned out to be pretty decent and we had a nice reliable role player to back up Julius? And then you have so many options with that. You could net a really good return. In the summer, if you have Obi go out there and put up a good season. Um, and now we, we also talked about, on on in episode 280, a little bit about Kemba and Fournier. The new arrivals, new weapons here. Their chemistry is good. They played, you know, these are two players from the same team. They didn't play a ton together, but they did play with Boston. Um, And that's always a plus from the start. Right, I think they played nine nine games together, but still, it's always a plus from the start to have two guys who have some type of chemistry come in. Excuse me, together. And when they were playing with Boston, you, I was watching some film with them, some highlights. It seems like they play off each other pretty well. They know where each other are on the floor. They know where to find each other, off the ball, on the ball. Um, Block was a decent cutter. But Fournier can do that. Fournier can cut while playing the one, the two, and he can play a little bit of the three. You know, and, and the Knicks, they're still getting shooting in Fournier. You know, they you know the Knicks love the corner threes. They love corner threes. That was Thibodeau shot. The Knicks shot a ton of corner threes. Evan Fournier can hit that corner three. Campbell Walker hit the corner three at an average rate last year. I think he was thirty-nine percent from the corner. So you've got four guys now who can run the break in the starting lineup. Kemba, Fournier, RJ, and Julius. You're hoping that can get them going more and play at a faster pace. right? Kemba's ability to draw defenders in to help in penetration opens up those perimeter shooters. And you also have guys like McBride, Grimes, and Rose, who can do the same, play that driving kick game. Just play a little bit of a faster pace. I would like to see that from Tom Thibodeau. is a good playmaker. You know, I think he'll also well work, uh, work well Excuse me, in pick and roll with Mitchell Robinson. Going to come off DHOs, L-cuts when he's at the two. So the, the point guard depth, man, that's one thing that I think is going to be beautiful. It's such a day-night difference last season and this upcoming season in the, in the point guard rotation. Like, Kemba, Rose, that's fire. You have Kemba at the one, Rose at the one to back him up. That's an upgrade from Peyton Rose. And remember, Rose was only here a half a season with the Knicks last year. So you've got a full season of Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose. It's going to be fun at point guard if, if it goes as expected. If they can stay healthy, that's obviously a big risk. So be a lot of load management. Um, maybe you're going to see some some days where Derrick Rose gets spot starts, especially on back-to-backs. But yeah, if, if they stay healthy, I'm excited for the point guard. Point guard is going to be a position where I think the Knicks are finally going to have some success. And that's such an important position, right? It's the catalyst on the floor. That's your quarterback. It's your orchestrator. Your point guard plays well. You get a lot of other guys playing well. You always hear about the term making others better. Make your teammates better. That's the point guard's job. And now we have somebody who can actually do that. And Alfred Payton wasn't just an average point guard. He was a bad point guard for us. So we're going to get a tremendous upgrade there. Does Kemba stay healthy and play up to expectation? So I'm excited for that. Uh, We're going to head to break. When we get back from break, it's our our last break. Maybe our second to last break. But when we get back, talk a little bit more. Talk about R.J. Barrett. I'm going to touch on him before we wrap this up and just some of the lineups that he might be paired with, what his role might be, yada, yada. Stay with us, guys. We'll be right back. All right. And I don't mean to sound like, you know, the overly optimistic guy now, but I'm also excited for RJ, year three. Right? There could be some big things happening with Barrett. He's got some work to do. We know he's got a ton of work to do. Um, yeah, The footwork obviously needs some improvement. Now, he's still young. He's got a lot of ways to go. Remember how young this kid is, guys. But, you know, he does have some improving to do. Um, especially since his athleticism isn't off the charts crazy. Um, his footwork is going to have to improve. He's very good at getting to the basket, right? He's, he's pretty balanced. He's got a solid base, good upper body. But he isn't explosive. Um, doesn't blow by you. It's just using his craft and his strength. If he can improve his footwork a bit, Right. And the triple threat. Now, he's never going to be, you know, that first step, he's never going to be any Carmelo Anthony. Right. But I would like to see him improve his isolation game a little bit. And maybe even, you know, the big thing here, obviously, when we're talking about footwork and everything, is hope to see him add a step back, sidestep, some kind of shooting off the dribble. And we've seen recent workout videos of Barrett in the gym working on a mid range. Working on his dribbling, working on his shot creating, his playmaking. We, we've seen these videos, and I'm not one to take these things so serious as, as a lot of Knicks fans will. A lot of Knicks fans will be in the comments when they see these workout vids and these, and these vids of them in the gym getting up shots, and they go nuts. They either overreact or they overreact. Let's be honest, they overreact. It, it's crazy. But... If he can work at that... And he starts shooting more off the dribble... And he can be more aggressive going to the rim... More explosive and... If that helps him with his finishing... Which he has that in his bag... Where does he land with tips? If everything improves... He starts drawing more contact... Like he did in year one with the Knicks... Kind of took a step back there in the free throw department... In terms of of, of attempts... He, he shot the ball a lot better from, from the line... But... You know if he improves... You start thinking to yourself, where does Tom Thibodeau see him? What is his role? R.J. Barrett. Obviously, Julius Randle is is the given number one option, right? He's the guy. But behind Julius, is R.J. going to be a two? Is he going to be a three? Or is he going to be a four? Is it going to be based off matchups? You know? But you've got Kemba. You've got Evan Fournier, right? Like I said, more weapons on this team now. Kemba's going to be doing the playmaking. Fournier can be doing a little bit of both playmaking and some shooting. He's your scorer. You can make a case that RJ is a little better than Fournier. Fournier is a little bit better than RJ. You can make your case either way. But when it comes down to it, I think it's that's, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be who plays better. Who has the better season. Those two might be better players right now. So out the gate. We might just go at what it looks like on paper. It might be RJ's the number 4. Which I wouldn't be too fond of that. If he was just relegated to getting the 4th most shots. And touches. I want him to develop properly. So he's going to have to show it. He's going to have to improve his shot creating ability. So he can jump higher on that list. And if so. If he does. And he ups his role And he's used more often. You can throw him in the elbow in isolation more, get him closer to the rim and post up and not just use him as the guy he was used last year. You know, he was using a lot of those spot up roles as that catch and shoot guy on the wing in the corners as the kick out option. You know, he was the kick out guy. A lot of catch and shoot threes. 97% of his three-pointers were off the catch. He only scored seven percent of his points in the mid-range last year, so I want to see him add something there on the elbow and the post-up. So if he can, if he can hit, it's gonna be a little bit of. You have to work at it. Thibodeau's gonna to have to have faith in him, and RJ's is gonna have to show some stuff here. You know, so can they find that balance between trying to win while we continue to develop our Lotto pick? Can they find that balance? Right? Is it winning while he's a role player? Right? Winning while he's a fourth option? Or is it going to be, can we win and progress his game at the same time? I'm hoping it could be the latter. Right? But there are some things that make you question it now, right? Listen, the Knicks were dead last in possessions last year. They played at a slow pace. They didn't have a lot of possessions. They were dead last in possessions. Now we have two more playmakers to this team. So it will not be easy. Can Thibodeau find possessions for RJ so he can be a top option? And there's, I didn't even mention, there's also the fact that, you know, RJ Barrett's going to have to step up defensively even more. Now, he's continued to show promise defensively. I think he's become a an average to slightly above average defender in the NBA. But the Knicks as a whole still might take a, a step back defensively, especially in the starting lineup. Reggie Bullock is gone. Uh, Frank Nilekina is gone. Kemba and Rose aren't great defenders. They can't get around screens very well. We've seen Rose, you know, have issues also in the playoffs playing defense last year. So who fills that void? And I think R.J. Barrett's going to have to take it upon himself in the starting lineup to fill that void of defending those scoring wings and those guards. You know, he's going to have to play a lot of that role. I mean, he's the only guy you can think of, you know, there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of, you're going to have to do a lot of team defense. I think this year, even more so if the Knicks want to maintain that defense they had last year, that intensity is going to be there, but that just getting stops like they did and placing so high in defensive reading going to have to be a lot of team defense going to have to mix and match with a lot of these lineups. You know, you could also get RJ Barrett some minutes with the bench Stagger his minutes. You know, Tibbs is not gonna do five for five swaps. He's gonna do some stagger. And I think he will stagger RJ and get him with the young guns more. You know, Rose, IQ, Barrett, Obi playing together. Um maybe get a look at, you know, IQ, Grimes, and McBride together, OB at the four, and maybe Taj or Sims. Hopefully you can get a good look at Sims at the five. Um I didn't you know Didn't research too much on this Jericho Sims kid, but from what I know, from what I was reading about, he's got a a pretty outstanding combination of size and athleticism. Uh, I know he's aggressive and he's bouncy around the rim. I was reading that he's got very sharp uh, and solid instincts and timing as a rim protector. And also that he can switch very well and guard on the perimeter. Kind of like Mitch. Uh, but also like Mitch, he doesn't have a jumper, so it's going to be interesting to see how we fit this guy, this kid Sims, in there. Um, does Taj last the entire season? Do we try and get a little bit younger with with Sims? We'll see. But overall, man, I think that's it. Just you know, briefly, just touching up on a few things and, and talking about what we just did: um, RJ Barrett's role, Mitchell Robinson's future, Kevin Knox's future, Obi Toppin his role, his future. And uh, I'm excited for the season. So, guys, that's it. Uh, We are actually going to head to break one last time. But when we get back, we'll get to the NYK question of the day. And we'll wrap this up. Be right back. All right, so last time out in episode 281, our NYY NYK question of the day was on August 18th, 1989, who did Bucky Dent replace as the manager of the New York Yankees? And your hint was. The guy he replaced also managed the Phillies to a World Series title in 1980. The answer to that question, on August 18th, 1989, who did Bucky Dent replace as the manager of the Yankees, is Dallas Green. Dallas Green was the guy that Bucky Dent replaced. Now this episode, episode 282, our NYK question of the day, brought to you by anchor for app 281 or was this 282 yeah it says 281 on the screen but it's supposed to say 282 right yeah this is this is episode 282 um our question of the day for 282. True or false? The Knicks have played the most games all time on Christmas Day. True or false? And your hint? They have played in 53 Christmas Day games. Is that the most all time? Alright, so let me know the answer to that question, whether that be on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm not on Twitter anymore, really, nowadays, so just let me know in my DMs on Facebook or on Instagram um, where you can just comment what you think the answer is once I publish the little promos that I I post. And that's that, guys. If you get it correct, I'll give you a shout-out. But, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. If you haven't yet subbed to this podcast, subscribe to it, download it. Do that right now. You know where to find us, all those listening platforms. Plus, you can watch us on YouTube. BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. I am your host, RJ Carbone. Hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the night. I'll see you next time. Ciao. This episode is brought to you by Anchor, podcasting made easy.